Second Timothy is the Apostle Paul's last letter. He is in the Mamertine prison in Rome, preparing to be martyred. And it is a letter of discipleship to a young man who had seen him stoned and dragged outside of the city and thrown on a manure pile. And all of a sudden, he got up off the manure pile and he went back into the city. And the young man, Timothy, was impressed. (laughs) So, (laughs) I think we all would have been. I chose this text because... Like I said, it's Paul's last letter. Beginning in chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first To receive the share of the crops. Consider what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ. Risen from the dead. Descendant of David. According to my gospel. For which I suffer hardships. Even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God. Is not imprisoned. For this reason. I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with its eternal glory. Father, I come before you. I pray that you will teach. You will show us and help us to hear. Father, you know in my heart what Resurrection Sunday means to me. I think it is the greatest day of the creation of the universe. And Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters this day will look and love what was poured out. And Father, that we would understand resurrection power as we continue to walk in a manner worthy to your glory and your praise. Amen. When I hear Easter... I can't help but think he's alive. Okay? I mean, it's, I have been to Israel. He's not there. Okay? He's not there. I mean, they got a monument or something to everything he ever did, but there's an empty tomb. And I, 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 I struggle when I watch the body of Christ at times. Uh, we, uh, if you look at the emphasis that we will put on Christmas versus the emphasis that we put on Easter, uh, there's times that that's a little bit disturbing to me. 
because without Easter, I don't really care about Christmas. If he's not raised from the dead, as I read in 1 Corinthians 15, we are to be pitied. I mean, if you think about it, that means we're all still what? Dead in our sins and trespasses. The message of Easter is he's alive. That's what it is. We must see this. There is a force here in the resurrection. We must seek this resurrection and we must have faith to share this resurrection. If we don't, what are we here for? What's the point? You can't deal with Christianity without the cornerstone being the resurrection. That, I, I, people, we are so nonchalant about this Sunday, and I'm sitting there thinking, well, I got news for you guys. I don't care if he was born of a virgin. If he don't get out of the grave, we're doomed. And that's what the Apostle Paul is telling young Timothy. Paul has spent years giving of himself utterly, and he's preparing to die. And he wants his young man to take on his mantle and continue. But if you look at it, my focus mainly is verses 8 and through 10. Is remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation, which is Christ Jesus, and with its eternal glory. I mean, if the Apostle Paul is getting ready to have his head removed, and he says, I want you to remember this, I think it should be like foremost on what we deal with. Paul says to Timothy, uh, the ultimate message for you and for me is Christ risen from the dead. For us to know that Jesus is alive. That really is all that matters. Our risen Lord, we find courage to live. But we also, because he is risen, we find comfort to die. We look at the text here, and I have three points. I will get through them pretty quick. Okay? First is the fact of the resurrection. The fact of the resurrection. I told Sunday school class that I'm an empiricalist. Okay? And people go, what? I don't care about your theories. I don't care about your hypothesis. I don't even care about your opinions. Okay? Show me the facts. That's what I want. And people will say, well, how can the world, can you be a Christian and live by faith if you've got to have facts? <laughs> I was like, 
All I want, there's a part of me, you guys know my personality, there's a part of me that just wants to look at everybody who does that, look them in the eye as Jesus and said, have you not read? <laughs> now that is a very uh, sarcastic remark from our Lord. I'm thinking that it would be a very sarcastic remark for me too. But I... You know, I think about it, what he says here, as it is written. This isn't, you saw that in 1 Corinthians 15 when I read it. As the scriptures said, remember, Jesus Christ, the seed of David, raised from the dead. Verse 8. Of the seed of David. That is a focus that goes all the way back to the Old Testament. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 and 13. Psalm 89, verse 28. Psalm 132, verse 17. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world to die upon a cross and to rise again is understood in the Scriptures. The Scripture said it. You and I are living proof of the resurrection. You and I were dead in our sins and trespasses. But now we've been raised to walk in the newness of life, Paul wrote the Romans. We have been baptized into His death. We've been raised to walk into the newness of life. That's that changed life. That you know what? You ain't going to believe it. People see it. I hope. <laughs> I pray that they see it. The coming of our Lord into the world was foretold. Remember what I read in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4? Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And He was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Scriptures. All right? So the fact of the resurrection was prophesied in the Old Testament and fulfilled in the New Testament. And you and I live in an age of living resurrection. And I did read in, in 15 that, you know what? I've got to get out of this earthy container. Okay, every time I read that word, earthy, I keep thinking of dirt. It, I need to get out of this dirt body. Okay? And then if you've ever played in the dirt, you know the smell? I'm ready for a new smell. Okay, But the Bible told us this. And then there's the historical evidence. Remember Jesus Christ is the seed of David? Verse 8. Do you realize that you can take, the, they call it a study, they call it the harmony of the Gospels. But if you take the four Gospels, they're all united, united in the testimony that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. All of them. You only have to read the closing chapters to see that it's documented. And if you go look at the actual crucifixion of Christ, it's, it's, 
I, I, 30 some odd years ago, 36, I think 36, seven years ago, I think it was, I decided that I was going to go find contradictions in the Bible because I was sick and tired of these Christians telling me. Okay, so I'm going to find the contradictions of there. So I started at the easiest place. His death and resurrection. Let's be realistic. That just doesn't happen often, right? So that should be the easiest thing to disprove of any of it, right? But have you ever looked at it? You have, at the time of his execution, you have people who absolutely hated him. You had people who could care less. You know, crazy religious people. And then you had those people who loved him. You look at his death, do you realize they were all there and bore witness to his death? But they bore witness in a way as evidence that he died? And yet those same ones who hated him, the same ones who didn't really care, and the same ones who loved him found the empty tomb. So it's not, you can always look at it and say, well, all of his supporters believe that he was resurrected. No, the Roman guards did too. And you know what? The Roman guards could care less. You want me to guard a grave? Why do you want me to guard a grave? Well, they're going to come and steal a body. Why would anybody steal a body? Well, he said he's going to raise from the dead. So they had it sealed. His enemies had it sealed. His enemies pointed these Roman soldiers to guard it. And even when the tomb was empty, the people who loved him were like, what? Remember, the ladies came back and said, he's not there. See what I mean? So he has his enemies bear witness to it. The people who could really care less witnessed it, and the people who loved him witnessed it. All right? That's the fact. That's the fact. So these four Gospels tell us this. And yet in the book of Acts, the apostles unite in their testimony. And we read in Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and the great grace was upon them all. Okay? So there is the fact of prophetic evidence. There is the fact of historical evidence. But there is what I will call dynamic evidence. Remember Christ Jesus, Paul's told him, the seed of David, raised from the dead according to my gospel. Risen from the dead. Paul was not concerned with the event as it occurred at that point of time. But also with the evidence of the life of Christ in his own spiritual walk. He experienced the resurrection. Remember the Damascus road? On the road to Damascus? Getting ready to do what? Arrest Christians. 
had a letter from the Sanhedrin. Okay, you guys are busted. And guess what happened? The resurrected Christ says, Why are you persecuting me? I don't know about you. That would have freaked me out. I'd have run like screaming like a little girl all the way back to Jerusalem. Well, you guys can laugh about it, but I would. Oh, I done made a mess of this one. <laughs> Give them another letter back and get somebody else to do it. I'm out of here. My gospel, it speaks of the fact of his gospel. His gospel, do you understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ has resurrection power in it? And the more we read of this testimony in the book of Acts and even the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote, the more we are impressed by the influence of this resurrection in the Apostle Paul's life, right? Okay, so the fact of the resurrection is one, prophetic, two, I witnessed by enemies, people who don't care, and people who love him. And then the truth of the resurrection, look what it did to the Apostle Paul and the power that it gave him. And Peter, and John, and James, and Jude. It was all done in the power of the resurrection. Okay? Secondly, the force of this resurrection. Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ, the seed of David, raised from the dead according to my gospel. The force of this resurrection. Okay? Understand that in this text, he's addressing a son in the faith. Okay? Timothy, young Timothy. And Christian men and women throughout the centuries, you can read that verse 1, remember verse 1? Be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. Why? He's the seed of David. Raised from the dead. Okay, Christian, have you ever been uncomfortable sharing your faith? Have you ever been sort of, I just don't want to say nothing because they may think I'm some kind of religious freak or something? You ever been afraid of that? Uh, I remember the first time that I was called a Bible thumper. And I was like, I made it, I made it. I've already, I've arrived, I'm Bible thumper. But he tells us to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus in verse 1 of chapter 2. Okay, do you understand that that is a, uh, a supernatural ability to stand, to strive, and to serve for Christ? All of that fits in that verse 1. Why? Well, he tells you in verse 8, he's raised from the dead, our gospel. So I have no problem standing. I have no problem striving for the gospel, and I have no problem serving the gospel. So I can take that, understanding the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I can understand that I have power to stand for Christ. I can stand for Christ. Remember what he said in verses 3 and 4? Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier in active duty entangles himself with the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him 
as a soldier. Okay? As Christians, do you understand you're engaged in a battle? Do you know that you're engaged in a battle uh, every moment of your life? You might have an adversary that's outside, but you'll always have that earthy container. And you'll have to deal with that. But because of the resurrection, I have the power to do what? Stand in His grace. Endure hardship as a good soldier. As a good soldier. Some of your translations may say, take your share of suffering. Revised Standard translates it that way. Take your share of suffering. You know, uh, my son was in the army, and uh, my son-in-law still is. <laughs> and uh, I remember sitting having a chit-chat with him. <laughs> and I explained to him, I said, you know, military would be really great if they would just learn to fight places that were pleasant. I mean, fighting in the jungle, just really? And then go fight in the desert. Really? Can, let's invade the Caribbean. Okay, I think, I, I, I can, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> sign, sign me up. I don't mind. I would like to go fight. But we always go fight somewhere. Who, why are we fighting here for? You know, I mean, the Middle East. So you're going to have the world's largest kitty litter box. But it's all yours. Well, we. And yet, when you think about a soldier, they're always trained to fight in some. Who thought this up? My son-in-law is getting ready to go to. Uh, he said, well, "Just outside of Bakerfield." And I was like, "You're talking twenty-nine palms, aren't you?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "You ever been there?" And he said, "No." And I was like, "Are you in for a shock? You will wonder <laughs> how did this end up here." <laughs> because uh, my dad was there and I got to go there once and thought, this is God forsaken. Who in the world would want to hang out here? And that the palms that are there had to be transplanted. Ain't no palms there. It's just rocks and dirt. But you know what? Soldiers don't get to pick that. Okay. Remember who enlisted you into service? So where is your battle? Remember uh, Morgan quote? If you're not suffering, guess what? You're in the wrong place. I've had a very difficult couple of weeks dealing with uh, issues. Issues. I like that term. I'm dealing with issues. But I understand them as a battle. I understand them always. And you know what? Battle is very uncomfortable. But yet I still have the ability to stand. I have the ability to strive. Endure the hardship as a good soldier. Take on your suffering. We will look at it in a month to come in Ephesians chapter 6. Having done all to stand. Having done all to stand. That means you've got to keep... Keep it up. Keep working. Keep after it. And you know what I found out? You have an enemy that is relentless. He doesn't wait. Hey, time out. Can I, I'm, a, I'm off on the weekend, okay? 
Your enemy don't care if you're off on the weekend. And actually, when you find yourself comfortable, know that your enemy is getting ready. Understand in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, we are more than conquerors. Conquerors. But we also have this power to strive. Strive for Christ. If a man striveth for masteries, yet not be crowned except he strives lawfully. That's King James translating of that verse 5. All right. He uses an illustration of an Olympic athlete. You can train all day long for whatever, but you have to adhere to the rules. Okay. You can say, I am going to run a marathon, but my marathon will be two miles. Okay. Nah, you're not running a marathon. You're going to run two miles. All right. See what I'm saying? You still have to run by the rules. You can qualify as well as win the race, but you have to adhere to what the tactics are and the rules and the regulations that are before you. You know, you can have, if you use this text of this illustration of Olympian, you can have a... a, a a unique running style. I've seen people who always run on the balls of their feet. And I, my knees hurt watching them. And I don't see how that, that, that gets you anything. And yet, the challenge in the Olympians is not your style, but wholehearted devotion. Am I really getting after this? Years ago, I used to do a lot of mountaineering. And you would set out usually six months blocks with whatever you were getting ready to go do. And I lived on the fourth floor of an apartment. And when I would come home or go to work, when I was preparing for a climb, I would take a pack and throw about 80 pounds of weight in the back of it, just round disc throw it in the pack and then I'd walk up the stairs and I had some neighbors that were elderly saying young man why don't you use the elevator (laughs) lady where I'm going there's no elevator (laughs) so I have I have to be able to do this myself I never seen the beat me either okay the things we would do for vacation but that's how we do it but we also have the power to serve Christ. It talks about the hardworking farmer, verse 6, ought to be first to receive the share of the crops. Listen, Christians, we have a job to do. And that job, Christian, calls for faithfulness. For faithfulness. I remember Mueller had a friend who was an unbeliever. Cordial man, but he was an unbeliever. And Mueller was a... a, To say he was a prayer warrior is probably the greatest understatement ever. And he went to meet his friend one day, and his friend says, George, i got to ask you a question. And he said, what is that? He says, 
Are you praying for my salvation? George sheepishly looked at him and said, Every day. Every day. Well, the man ended up contracting black lung. Uh, this is in England during... When everything was heated by coal. So he got black lung and uh, was preparing to die. And he called George to his bedside. And he said, George, I thank you. He said, I've known you for almost 50 years. And the thought of you praying for me every day for my salvation is one of the greatest things that anybody's ever done for me. But know this. I do not believe in your Lord. And he died. But George prayed for him every day for 50 years. Okay? I have a friend that just, uh, I can't remember how long ago, it wasn't too long ago, I had a chance to baptize him. Um, we had rode to Washington, D.C. together uh, for the run for the wall. Uh, it's a motorcycle tour. And we rode together. I had made a promise to another friend who had passed that I'd take his dog tags and stick them in the wall. He was in Nam. So I rode with this guy. And we chit-chatted. We were together for almost two weeks. Um, I think I prayed for him every day for almost ten years. And just last year, God gave me the privilege of baptizing him. Okay? You have to stay faithful to the task. You know, there's times when you feel like when you're praying, you feel like you are just flat out wasting time. Never are you wasting time. We show faithfulness. Why? For our service for the Lord, we will bear fruit. We're promised that. Did you know that you're promised that? John's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. My father is the vine dresser. I am the vine he prunes off that that is useless so that you will do what? Bear more fruit. Bear more fruit. But we are also, thirdly, we have to have faith in the resurrection. You know, I would almost add another word to this. We need to deliver the faith of the resurrection. First and foremost, you do it by your life. Peter tells us, be ready to give the reason for the hope that is in you when asked. You know what that means? Somebody has to see it. Okay? They have to see it. Are we ready? Remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to our gospel, for which I suffer hardship and imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus and its eternal glory. You ever thought about that? Jesus, in this same area of that, of that uh, John 15 and, John, and 14, he says, anything you ask in my name, I will do, and I tell you the truth. You will do more than I have. 
And then, you know, we don't, we don't think about that. You know, when am I going to get to walk on water? When it freezes. Okay? It's no problem. All right? When am I going to get to... Listen, do you realize that every single one of you, every one of you, have the ability to affect the eternal destiny of other people? Every one of us. I don't know about you, but that seems kind of mind-boggling. If you really think about it, that beats the cure for cancer. There's nothing out there that is more powerful than dealing infinitely with the eternal destination of people. So we deliver the faith of the resurrection. That is what Easter is about, people. The Lord Jesus Christ was a living reality to the Apostle Paul. Is it to you? Is it to you? Because if he is, then you have the fact of the resurrection. If he is, then you know the force of the resurrection. And if he is, then you will be delivering the faith of the resurrection. I was dealing with a guy yesterday. The guy's had some health problems. Now he's had some serious health problems. He got him a pacemaker now and a bucket full of pills he has to take and all this other stuff. He's a nice guy. He's a real nice guy. So I was sitting there talking to him. He looked at me and he said, you know, tomorrow's Easter. I said, yeah, it is. He says, how many services are you having? One. Just one? Yeah, there's only one resurrection. I only need one service. He said, well, what time is it? I told him, 1030. Well, you know, I think... Uh, I think I should come and hear. I just looked him right in the straight, straight in the eye. No, you won't. He held his head down. He said, I've told you that a couple of times, haven't I? I said, more than a couple. Guess what? <laughs> he ain't here. Because if he was, I wouldn't use the illustration. <laughs> you see what I'm trying to get at, though? Our responsibility is to take it wherever we are. It doesn't matter. As I go, I make disciples. Okay? Listen, I am not mentoring anybody. I am not apprenticing anybody. I am making learners to whoever crosses my path. And for however long they have to tolerate me. But he says there in verse 9, we must preach this gospel whatever the cost. A year or so ago, I was in Georgia, the country of Georgia, and I had managed to pick up a pneumonia in Azerbaijan. And so I had to spend a week teaching. I was actually teaching the letter to the Romans to 
uh, all of the pastors in Georgia. And uh, this thing had me, man. I mean, it, it had me wore out. I coughed all night long. And I mean, it's one of them coughs that cause you almost to jump up off the bed. I mean, it hurt. My chest hurt. I could tell you where each of my bronchial tubes were. It hurt that bad. And there was nothing I could do about it. And I kept thinking, how in that world am I going to be able to teach when I'm hacking like a fool? So it began that Monday. I'd gotten in about 3 a.m. on Sunday. I got in there on Monday and started teaching. I was coughing. I'd had bre- we had breakfast together, and I was hacking through that. And I went over, <clears throat> had a little podium thing, and I opened up the book of Romans and took off. I never coughed again until break. When I had a break, I was drinking some coffee and everything else. I just start. <coughs> and then when I got done with the break, I went back to teaching again. No coughing. When I got done for lunch, guess what? <coughs> and it was like that all week long. And the guys were sitting there going, how are you doing that? I was I don't know. So they snuck me off to a Russian doctor. He didn't do nothing either. But anyway, I managed to get back alive. Of course, everybody on the airplane, I felt like I was in first class because they thought I had tuberculosis or something. But, uh, <laughs> but any time I was teaching, it stopped. And then when I stopped teaching, uh, I mean, even if I was doing question and answers, it stopped. And it was like that all week long. Okay, whatever the cost, verse 9 there says, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen. I suffer hardship. Paul said, I suffer hardship even to the point of being imprisoned. I didn't get imprisoned, but I did get a, uh, a bit of a scare. We, I was supposed to go in and share the gospel with some Chechnyans. And I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> but when I we got up to the top of this mountain pass, we came around the corner. There's this big Russian armored car sitting there, and the soldiers come around. They're all Russian. I'm like, wow, man, I thought we were staying in Georgia, because Georgia's part of NATO. I can go come and go in Georgia. I have to have a visa to get into Russia, and Russia don't like me right now, so they won't let me back in. So they stopped, and we were telling them where we were going. And I know enough Russian that I can listen and know whether I need to run <laughs> and how far do I need to go run. But anyway, I was listening to him and acting like I'm just American. I don't know. Die. <laughs> Yet. That's it. They told him that I was sharing the gospel. And they want to share the gospel at this place. And they said, well, last, I don't know. This was on a Wednesday. On Monday, they had annexed four miles of Georgia. And so that was now Russia. And I was like... Peace, love, and tranquility, dude. <laughs> okay. And they let us go. But on the way back down, I'm sitting there thinking, I said, these guys could have arrested me, hauled my butt off into the Caucasus Mountains, and they ain't a man, woman, child, earthworm would even know where I was. But they didn't. But it did cross my mind on the way back down. Like, well, that could have been ugly. <laughs> I mean, um, I, you know, I think they're afraid of me because I was still coughing. <laughs> That's that. I bring you tuberculosis in the name of Jesus. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, 
Paul was in prison here when he wrote this, knowing that his days were numbered. He uh, was there as a criminal. For what? Preaching the resurrection. Involved in making known the message of the risen Christ. Listen, we must preach this whenever we're called, wherever we're called, however we're called, to whomever we are called. When the door opens, be ready to give the reason for the hope that is in you. You know what the reason for the hope in you? He's alive. That's the reason. I have seen Christians who fear death. Why? Why? Why would you fear death? He's alive. If I get rid of this earthy container, I receive a heavenly container. And I'll be prettier. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, this, that's the resurrection, people. That's why we can stand. That's why we can strive. That's why we can serve with absolute abandonment. Because he's alive. Now then, you see why I enjoy Easter? He's alive. He's alive, and guess what? We are forgiven. So as the Apostle Paul said here in verse 1, let us stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I come before you on Resurrection Day, Passover weekend, and the tomb is empty. Help us, Lord. Help us to be ready in season and out of season to give the reason for the hope that is in us. Father, I understand that we compete as athletes, but we are as farmers. We wait for the harvest. Father, we also are soldiers, and we endure the battle, endure the hardship. Father, I want to thank you. I thank you for bringing us together today. I thank you for all the things you have provided us, in, in the, even in the last year. But Father, I thank you most of all for an empty tomb so that you, and we, and other churches, the people, the men and women, will understand what it means to live in the power of the resurrection. To you, my King, in Christ's name, amen.